0: Hebrews chapter 3. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in God's house. He been found worthy of greater honour than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honour than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the Son of God's house, and we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to the confidence and hope in which we glory. So, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, Do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness. Where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did, that is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter rest. Be to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as this is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As has just been said, today, if you hear his voice, Do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God answer that they would never enter his rest if not those who disobeyed? So see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. And I'm just going to pray for Pastor Peter as he is going to share this passage with us. Father God, we want to thank you that we have the opportunity and privilege so freely to meet in your name, whether we gather in person like we have done in the building this morning, or we're watching online together but afar. Father, we want to thank you for your faithfulness to us for your hand of protection on each one of our lives and for the way in which you work everything for your good, even though we sometimes don't see that bigger picture understand each of the steps along the way. God, we want to pray for Peter this morning. We want to thank you for his preparation, for the time he has spent coming to you to bring us a, a word and a thought from you. On Hebrews three, Lord, we also want to pray for our brothers and sisters in India, especially. Lord, our hearts break, knowing that so many, even though we're so far into this, pandemic, so many are continuously losing their life, and that this new strain and the things that are happening is getting worse and worse. Lord, help us to to be compassionate. Help us to reach out in ways that we can, and to offer assistance the best way we can. Lord, I thank you for each one of us as Finley Church family members, but also as your family members in the wider world. Wherever we're watching, wherever we're listening, Lord, would you just go before us this very day and prepare our hearts for what Peter is about to share. Holy Spirit, be with us this morning and awaken us more to what is being said from the pages of your words. In your name, amen.
1: Thank you, Charlene. Thank you for reading Scripture to us. And this morning we're going to come and look at those verses in Hebrews chapter 3. And as we do so, and as I was preparing this week, it just got me thinking and asking the question, you know, why is it that when we gather on a Sunday we have a sermon? Why is it that when we gather together on a Sunday that we spend a good amount of our time in God's Word? And maybe it's a question that you've asked yourself also. And there's times when we come to God's word and we look through the gospels and, you know, we can suddenly and quickly see the relevance of a passage we're looking at. And so maybe we're reading about the way that Jesus and his earthly ministry reaches out and touches someone's life and that person's life is changed and transformed. And we think about our own lives and we think about how we yearn for Jesus Christ to reach out and touch us. And we think about the ways in which he has done that in the past and how that's changed and transformed our lives. And it's easy to see the relevance of a story like that. Or we think about Jesus calming the storm and bringing peace and how he is Lord over our lives and everything that happens. And we think about the last 12 months. And we can think about the storms that have happened in our lives and our desire for peace. And we can think about how Jesus Christ is Lord over our lives. And it makes sense. And it's easy to understand. Then we come to a book like Hebrews or a study like Isaiah that we did a while ago. And we spend these weeks going through this study. And week by week, we're maybe learning about Judaism. Learning about how Judaism relates to Christianity, and we start to ask the question, you know, why is this relevant to my life? Why are we spending time looking at something like this? And as I thought about that question, and it's particularly relevant for our study at the moment, I thought about two elements to what we do on a Sunday. The first is Bible teaching, and we do that for a reason because we want you to be able to see how the whole of Scripture fits together. And if someone was to ask you, you know, what is Hebrews about? You might say, well, you know, not sure what the book's about, but let me tell you about chapter 11. Because I know all about chapter 11. It's about this great hall of faith and all these people who did these incredible things for God down through the ages. And how inspiring is this? I might say to you, you know, tell me about, Isaiah, what what is the book of Isaiah about? You might say, well, I'm not 100% sure, but let me tell you about chapter 53 because I know all about chapter 53 and it's about this prophecy of Jesus Christ as the Messiah who will come, who will be the suffering servant and you could tell me all about it because you've heard sermons about it and it's a familiar passage of scripture within the book. Our desire for your personal study and for times that perhaps you come together as a small group uh, or in other contexts to study God's word, is that if someone was to ask you that question, because of the teaching that you're receiving on a Sunday morning, you'd be able to say in a very simple way, well, this is what Hebrews is about. This is what chapter one's about. This is what chapter two's about. This is what chapter three's about. This is what chapter four's about. This is how the book holds together, and this is how it relates to the Old Testament. Very simple very straight forward. And so in that vein, it's sometimes helpful that when we do some of these studies, uh, that perhaps you're taking some notes in the margin of your Bible or in a notebook or on your iPhone or whatever you use to record some thoughts and ideas. And my prayer would be that when you get to the end of your Christian walk and you look back over your life, that you will have heard a sermon on every single book of the Bible, and you'll be able to see how the whole of scripture fits together. But of course, it's not just an academic exercise, and the second aim we have in opening up God's word is that we might grow in our relationship with Jesus. And I think about my marriage and I could know all about my wife, all her likes, all her dislikes, all the things that have happened in our childhood, all the things that have shaped and influenced our life to become the person she is today, all the things that are happening in her life today. But if that's not causing me to grow in my love for her and my relationship with her, then in some ways it's a wasted exercise. And so it is as we come to the word of God. We want to grow in our knowledge of God but we also want to grow in our relationship with him and again my prayer for you is that when you get to the end of your christian life that you will have this strong mature relationship with jesus that death will not be a moment of fear for you but a moment of awe and wonder because you'll know the one you're going to and that when you get to the end of your christian life that also you'll be able to testify that even at this point of my life, my relationship with Christ is still growing. It's not something that became dormant a number of years ago, but actually it's been a living relationship that has continued till today. So that's just a couple of thoughts as we come to our study this morning. And as those of us who open up God's word week by week, whether it's myself or surely or others in the church, spend time in prayer and preparation, uh, our prayer for you is that also that you would come uh, to our times on a Sunday prayerfully, uh, thoughtfully, having spent time uh, just preparing to receive in heart and mind uh, the word of God and all that God might have to say to you on that Sunday So this morning we're going to look at chapter 3, we're going to focus briefly on verses 1 to 6 and then draw out some wider application from the passage which will hopefully help us to A, grow in our knowledge of chapter 3 and what it's about, but also secondly, grow in our relationship and love of Christ. And so here is the book of Hebrews and we're reminded that the writer is writing to this church of Jewish background believers And he's trying to just encourage them that they have made the right choice in deciding to follow Jesus. And we can understand something of that motivation because we've decided to follow Jesus as well. Maybe not from a Jewish background, but from a secular background. And we want to know that we've made the best choice in following Christ, that we're not wasting our time on a Sunday. But actually, this is the best thing that we can spend our lives investing in this relationship with Jesus Christ and the Christian faith. And so that is why this writer is writing to these people. And as part of trying to show them that they have made the best choice in leaving behind Judaism and following Jesus Christ, the writer has to show them that Jesus Christ is greater than any who have gone before in the Jewish faith. And that includes all the great prophets and all the great leaders, the greatest of whom was undoubtedly Moses, And that is the focus of our passage today, to see how Jesus Christ is greater than Moses. We know Moses, don't we? He is this great man of God, this great man of faith. He is the one who leads God people out of Egypt and leads them to the promised land. He is that great man of God through whom God did all these signs and wonders and miracles. And we think of things like the parting of the Red Sea. He's this great man of God who knew God, who talked with God, who had this relationship with God, who glimpsed God's glory. And crucially for the Jews, he was the one to whom the law was given and the commandments and things that became synonymous with Jewish life and faith. And so here is Moses, the one through whom came the law, the Levitical system, the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant, all these great things that are associated with Jewish culture and faith and practice and tradition. And the writer to the Hebrews says, Moses was a great man. There is much that God did through Moses' life that should be celebrated, that should be honoured, that should be given thanks to God for. But the writer also says, if you think Moses was great, then wait till you see Jesus, for what Jesus Christ has done is even greater. And so the text begins with these words, therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling Fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. The first thing I want you to note is this, that Moses was sent to lead God's people to the promised land. But Jesus has been sent from heaven to lead us home to heaven. You know, Moses was called to lead God's people to a physical promised land. What an incredible moment in history this was. We understand the context. God's people, an entire nation, are held in captivity and slavery in Egypt, where they are oppressed and abused. They're used as a workforce. Every day they have masters over them, telling them what to do, controlling their lives. And they lifted fear for themselves and for their children. And suddenly God speaks. And he speaks this incredible word of promise that I am going to come. That I am going to deliver you from slavery. And I'm going to lead you out of Egypt. And I'm not just going to lead you into a barren wasteland. And we know the country of Egypt. And we know that it was surrounded by this dry barren desert. And God says, I'm going to take you out of Egypt, but I'm not just going to leave you in the wilderness, but I'm going to take you through the wilderness. And I'm going to lead you to what is called the promised land. This land that will be lush. This land that will be fertile. This land that will provide for all your needs and the needs of your family. This land where you can put down roots and build homes and provide for yourselves and your families and live in peace and security. And in contrast to what they have come from, what an incredible promise this is. Like suddenly be given your dream home, mortgage paid off, this whole new lifestyle. We can imagine how these people are just so thankful to God and so thankful to God for the one whom God has sent to help deliver them, to liberate them. And that person, of course, was Moses. And so the writer says, What God did through Moses was incredible. It was this amazing moment in history. But what Jesus Christ has done for you is even more incredible. He is your apostle and high priest. Just as Moses was sent. To lead God's people in the Old Testament. So Jesus has been sent. He is the apostle. He is the sent one. And he's been sent from heaven to be our great high priest. This is a title that is used of Christ throughout this book. And we know in the Old Testament that the priest was the person who offered sacrifices to atone for the sins of God's people. Jesus Christ himself becomes our high priest. And the sacrifice that he offers to atone for our sin was himself, his death on the cross. And so here we have Moses, who was great, who led the people to this promised land. And yet that physical promised land was a place of temporary peace and security. Didn't take long for that paradise, if you like, to be destroyed again by sin and greed and sinful ways. But the promise of heaven is almost like the ultimate fulfillment of all that we see happening in the Old Testament through Moses. As Jesus comes and he comes to set us free, to liberate us from the struggle of this life and this world and all that binds us and keeps us captive and to lead us To the promised land of heaven. Place of abundant blessing. A place of peace and security. And so Jesus Christ comes and he supersedes all that Moses has done. And we're reminded that what Moses did was just for the Jewish people. But what Jesus Christ has done on the cross is a promise for us all. And so here is this church, this group of believers, and here is you and I this morning. And we're reminded that this world is not our home, but we're just passing through and something greater lies in store for us because of Jesus Christ. And just as Moses was faithful to serve God's people in the Old Testament, God's people who were known as the house of Israel or the house of David, so Jesus Christ was faithful to all God asked of him. And it picks up in this illustration of this house and speaking of Jesus says this, he was was faithful to the one who appointed him just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. And Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone But God is the builder of everything. What is the writer saying here? These verses tell us that both Moses and Jesus were faithful to all that God called them to do. But Jesus is of greater honor because the builder of a house is greater than the house itself. What does that mean? Well, we know that Jesus is the cornerstone on top of which this great house of faith the church today is built the passage tells us that moses was just a servant of god but see what it says about jesus it says this moses was faithful as a servant in all god's house bearing witness to what would be spoken by god in the future but christ is faithful as the son over god's house What is all this talk of a house about? I don't know if you've watched Downton Abbey. I only watch it if it's on in the background and Liz is watching it. But we know from watching shows like Downton Abbey that the members of the family of a household are greater than the servants within a household. Even the most powerful servant. And here the writer uses the same image of this household. And he says, yes, Moses was the most powerful servant within this household. But Jesus was greater because he was the son of the master. He was the one who would one day inherit it all from his father and become head of the family. Who is this house that we're talking about? In the Old Testament, it's called the house of Israel, the house of David. When we come into the New Testament, it speaks about the church. And we're told that Jesus is building this spiritual house. The spiritual house that is made up of you and I this morning. Those who believe in him. Spiritual house where the spirit of God dwells. And as we end this morning, there is this great invitation from God to enter into all that Jesus First, to come to Jesus to become part of this family and this household. You know, the rest of chapter 3 of Hebrews is drawn from Psalm 95. And Psalm 95 talks about that great story of salvation and all that God did through Moses to free his people and to demonstrate his great love and care for his people. Let's just read it together. It says this Come. and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if only you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah. My rest. As we end, what is the point of this psalm? What is the point of quoting it here? Well, God says, remember back. Remember back to the Old Testament. The way that I led God's people out of Egypt to a place of salvation. They were my people. I cared for them. They were the flock that was under my care. I was their good shepherd." And yet that generation through whom I worked, that generation that I set free and delivered, they quickly forgot about me. They quickly forgot about all the ways that I blessed them. And as I began to be forgotten about, as I no longer was part of that community, So that community began to disintegrate. So with that vacuum of God not being at the center of it, the people begin to quarrel with one another. They begin to argue with one another and crucially, they begin to miss out on the blessings that God had in store for them. And the writer to the Hebrews and the Lord God says this, don't be like that generation, that generation who are blessed in abundance, And yet quickly hardened their hearts to me and forgot about me and missed out on all that was in store for them. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. That is the calling, that is the invitation to us this morning. To enter into God's rest, not to miss out on it. And if we are hearing God speak, not to harden our hearts to his voice, but to respond. To respond in surrender and thanksgiving and in praise. And there is this reminder that in every generation there is this temptation to turn away. But verse 13 says, instead encourage One another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. As we end this morning, this is our opportunity to respond to God, to thank Him for sending Jesus, to thank the Lord Jesus for what He has done for us on the cross, to thank the Lord for the way that we have been freed from slavery. To thank the Lord for the promise of heaven and eternity. A place of peace and security. A place that will bring us freedom from all that binds us in this world. And all the struggle that we face day by day. It's a chance to make sure that our relationship with God is strong. And we just come with thanksgiving and praise to him for all that he has done for us. And so as we end this morning, let's just take a moment of silence at home to respond to God. To respond to his word. To respond to his voice. To rededicate our lives to him and to return to him if we have been wandering away. To ensure that the Lord God is at the center of our lives and our church community, to ask that he would take up his rightful place again. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for what you have done for us on the cross. We thank you that you have made a way for us to be with you and to be with your Father in heaven. We thank you, Father God, that you are like the father in that story of the prodigal son, the one who opens his arms to us, that no matter who we are or what we have done, that you welcome us into your presence this morning, that you long for us to return to you. We pray this morning that no sin in our lives would keep us from you, but that we would return and that we would receive your forgiveness and that we would receive your freedom. We thank you that you walk with us through this life, just as you walk with God's people through the wilderness as they prepare to enter the promised land, so you walk with us through life. Sometimes life can feel like a wilderness experience, a barren land, and yet we thank you that your presence changes everything. We thank you that you are the one who cares for us and leads us and guides us, that you are the one who blesses us, that provides streams of living water, even in the desert. And so as we wait that hope in eternity, as we await for it, we thank you that you wait with us and that you are doing a work in our lives today. We thank you that we can know your presence with us this day. And we pray that we would cling to you and that as we cling to you, and seek to draw near to you. We ask that you would draw near to us this day. In Jesus' name, amen.